Unfortunately, yes. If you've got a Bible there, turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Anyway, it doesn't bother me that much, Daniel. I, 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 it's okay you threw it out there. I don't think it would have worked anyway. I actually think that business idea may have failed. May have. Once they run out of toilet paper, you know what they'll run out of next? Water bottles. Because you're going to have to wash your hands. Okay. Luke 22. Luke 22. I want to talk this morning about the issue of failure. Who has ever failed in life? Who's had some epic fails in life? Yeah, what epic fail. I remember when I was a kid, I was riding down a hill on a skateboard. And, uh, but this was back when skateboards were skateboards, not skate planks like you kids have now. You've got these big bits of wood that are like 14 feet across and 12 feet. We used to have these little plastic ones. And I remember the little plastic. Oh, they're, they're, they're vogue again, aren't they? They're coming back. They've got a name for them. I don't know what it is, but you can buy little plastic ones now. Well, when we were kids, that's all we had was the little plastic ones. And I remember... In uh, Sydney, I grew up near Campbelltown. I remember being on my skateboard one day, and in our street, it had a hill up the top, and it went down this little hill, then levelled out for a bit, turned a corner, then went down this really steep hill called Proctor Way in Claymore. And we lived at the bottom of Proctor Way in Claymore. So what us kids used to do is go right up the top, and we'd get on our board, and you know, we'd but we'd sit down with our feet out in front so you could sort of slow the thing down because you flew on these things. And of course, you go down the first bit levelled out and that was okay but then when I went down that second one it picked up so much speed and at the bottom of it was a gutter so you had to hit the gutter jump off and roll on the grass this patch of grass but if you roll too far you'd roll off the edge of the grass and a retaining wall about eight foot down onto a concrete slab so there's a lot of technique involved in that and I remember uh, one day my biggest epic fail was was thinking I'm better than every other kid in the street and while they're sitting down being all scared and nervous we might hurt ourselves I thought watch this I stood up and I went down the first bit, and that was fine. It levelled out, and I'm looking over my shoulder thinking, they think I'm the best. And anyway, I got to the edge of the next time I started going down, and who would have thought a pebble that big could do so much damage? The skateboard hit the pebble, and I heard that <coughs> noise that you hear, and the thing is that the body above the board will continue its momentum. It won't stop. The board will stop, and it stopped. But the body on the board continued its momentum and I flew through the air and I remember landing, putting my arms out like that and I landed on my two elbows like that and my two knees and I just slid the rest of the way down the bottom of the hill. I've still got scars on my elbow, uh, on the points of one on my elbow from that experience. Epic fail. We've all had failures in our life. Some failures are perhaps things that we've tried, things that we've attempted, relationships that maybe haven't worked out. Maybe it's a business idea that we tried to get off the ground, didn't work, or, um, you know, maybe it was, was uh, a, a, any number of things. But there are other failures in our life as well, and they're the failures to live up to the kind of life that we speak about or the life that we believe in. And, and if you're a Christian here, I'm specifically speaking to you this morning. If you're not, then I hope that you get something out of this as well. But every one of us have a, a picture of who we think we are, who we want to be. Every one of us here that claim to follow Jesus, we have an idea of how we should be living our lives and the, 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 what we're aiming for and where we want our life to be. But how many of you, uh, and maybe this is just me, maybe, you're not, maybe it doesn't happen to you, but to me I've got this 
this expectation of, of where I think my life should be at and how I think I should be living. And every now and then I, I fall drastically short of that. I, I fail to live up to my own expectations. Anyone here fail to live up to their own expectations at times? And I definitely know this. In doing that, I also fail to live up to God's expectations at times. That is, if God has expectations, that's a totally different story. What I do know is that God has called me to live a certain way and be a certain person. And there are times in my life where I know that I fail to live up to that and I fail uh, to hit that target. And so I know how I deal with failure. I don't know how you deal with failure. But I know how I deal with failure. And as human beings, we have many ways that we deal with failure. Sometimes we crawl into a hole. Anyone, anyone when they fail, they just retreat. They just crawl into a bit of a hole, whether it be a, a, an external failing, maybe uh, it, it might have been a relationship that didn't work and all, and then you just become this, this reclusive person. And, and I, I've got family members like that who've been hurt by uh, relationship failures and things in life, and they've just become reclusive and they've hidden themselves away from people. Or, or uh, maybe, maybe uh, when, when, when you're confronted with a failure, maybe you get angry, mad, maybe you lash out at people, maybe you, 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 you get aggressive, maybe uh, when some people fail, maybe the pain of that failure, they turn to substances or they turn to things to try to deaden the pain or whatever. We have ways of, of, of coping with failure and we cope with the failure because of the way that we see failure. We see failure through a certain lens in our lives. And so we all know about that. So I don't want to talk this morning about how we see failure. But it's interesting. I came across a story, and I've read it many times before, but every time I read it, it just reminds me that, that God has a perspective on my failure as well. And so I want to have a look at just really simply in the little bit of time we got, just uh, two or three points about failure through the eyes of God. Not through your eyes, not what you think, but I want to have a look at what I think that the Bible writers, the writers of these stories, these accounts of walking with Jesus, what they thought of God's perspective or Jesus' perspective towards the failure of his own followers. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31 to 34 and it says this. Jesus speaking, he says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. In other words, uh, the, the, the enemy, and again, if you're a Christian here, you will understand uh, that when I talk about God and I talk about the devil, I'm not talking about two uh, spiritual beings standing at, at loggerheads on the same platform butting against each other. That's giving the devil too much credit. Okay? It's more like a, a, a bear and a mouse. And God is the bear and the devil is the mouse. So don't ever think that this spiritual battle we're involved in, that it's equal power on both sides. It is not equal power on both sides. God wins. God is way more powerful than anything the enemy can throw at us. And we've got to not have that picture that the devil is this mighty big... As a matter of fact, I think it's Ezekiel. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel says that one day when we see the devil, we're actually going to go, my goodness, is that him? Is this the one that subdued nations? Is this the one that put so much fear in my life? Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? So let's not have a picture that he's standing there and it's an arm wrestle and God and the devil are... No, 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 it's, it's nothing like that. God's the one with the big bulging bicep uh, like, uh, like, like, like Troy up the back there maybe. And the devil's the one with the puny bicep and I'll say no more. He says, Satan is asked to sift you. Watch this, verse 32. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And I love this next bit. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. It sounds a lot like me at times. Lord, I've got this expectation. I know me and I know what I'm, I'll do and I know that I would never and I know that I would never and, and so on and I know that I always will and so on. And so Peter's saying, this is my expectation of me and this is who I am. And Jesus is just looking straight past it going, uh, are you telling me who you are or are you listening to me tell you who you are? Are you telling me who you are or are you going to listen to me? I'm, I'm trying to tell you who you are. Are you telling me what your life's going to look like or do you want to listen to me as I tell you what your life is going to look like? He says, Lord, I'm ready to go to you to prison and to death. And Jesus says, I'll tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you know me three times. What an interesting situation. Here's Peter talking with Jesus and Jesus has just said that there's going to be some tough times coming and basically in a nutshell here's what happened Peter has said to Jesus the tough times won't beat me I'll make it through I won't fail doesn't matter what the tough times are like Jesus you and me I won't fail I won't fall short the rest of these other cats might they might run away and they might get a bit scared and but not me Jesus I'll stick with you through the whole journey and Jesus says to him no you won't no you won't You're not going to stick with me through the whole journey. I know you better than you know yourself. But here's the thing. Even though I know you're going to fail, I still have a future for you. Even though I know you're going to fall short, i still got a destiny for you. Even though I know that you're not perfect, I still have a life out there for you. I want to give you three, three perspectives that I see in that in terms of how Jesus views Peter's failing. And in hindsight of that, I think it shows how God views your failings and mine. Every one of us will fail. If you haven't failed, put your hand in the air. If you've lived up to every expectation that you've had upon yourself throughout your life, put your hand in the air. If you believe you've lived up to every single expectation of God, put your hand in the air. There's an amazing absence of hands. Amazing absence of hands. And my hands are down too. So three things that I think this little passage shows me about how God sees me when I fail, how God sees failure. Number one, God knows that you'll fail at times. God actually knows. In fact, Jesus said this to Peter. If you have a look at it, he says to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you. I've prayed for you, Simon. And when you have turned back, in other words, he's already preempting and speaking about the other side. When you turn back, in other words, you're going to fail, Peter. I know that you're going to fail. And when you turn back, God knows that you will fail at times. God knows that you will not live a perfect life. God knows that there will be moments where you'll be unable to live up to what you believe he wants from you and living the life that you want him to do. It's not an excuse. I'm not giving us excuses to not walk in the ways of God. What I'm saying is that there is grace there for us when we don't. There's grace there for us when we don't. There's tremendous amounts of grace. God knows that you will fail. Interesting thought. God's not sitting up there surprised when you don't make it. Has anyone ever uh, taken a child and tried to teach a child how to ride a bike for the first time? Anyone ever done that? Yep. How many of you, when you put that child on that bike to ride for the first time, were absolutely stunned that the child fell off? You put them on the bike for the first time. They've never ridden a bike. And they get on the pedals and they start going like this. And you go, yes. And they go, smack. Ah! And you go, did not see that coming. I just, I, I expected more of you. 
You're never going to ride a bike again. Take the bike off him, love. He doesn't deserve it. He can't ride it. None of us did that. And as a matter of fact, we expected that our child would fall off the bike. How many of you, when we first put their child in the water, expected them to be able to swim? How many of you parents, by the way, this confession time, threw your kids in the deep end and just said, that's how you learn to swim? Who did that? Owen. We will be praying for you at the end of the service. You naughty man. Throw them in the deep end. That's how you teach them to swim. No, of course not. We wouldn't do that. Why? Because we would, if we threw them in the deep end, we would probably not expect them to swim. I'll probably expect them to drown because they don't know how to swim. That's why we're putting them in there. When we teach our children to do something, it's never done with an expectation that they'll never fail. As a matter of fact, even as they get older, we still understand that they're still going to fall short. They're still going to make mistakes. That's why there's this tremendously beautiful thing in Christianity called grace. It's grace that covers our mistakes and covers our shortfallings and covers our failures. God is not rocked and thrown off the throne every time you have not lived up to what you believe were his expectations. God did not fall off the throne. God did not get shocked, turn his back on you, get mad at you, get angry at you, start speaking negative things over you because God already knew your capacity and propensity to fall short look at the garden of eden the very first time adam and eve are doing everything right then they make this stupid decision and decide that the advice and the way that you're saying to live god is not right there's a better way and so we'll listen to other voices and other bits of advice and we will do life a different way than the way you want straight away what does god do he doesn't just wipe his hands off them and say well you fell off the bike take the bike away it's all over straight away he comes up with a plan Straight away, he just redirects the course of human history and says, here's what we're going to do. And enter Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man that was crucified, buried, and resurrected for your sins and my sins, the man that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 53. From the very beginning, when we failed, God wasn't rocked. He didn't cut us off, wipe his hands off us, and say, that's it. It's amazing how many believers fall short and feel like that's it, that God has moved on. God has passed me by. God has moved on to somebody else because I'm just not good enough. God knows you're not good enough. You're the only one that thinks you are. You're the only one that thinks you're good enough. He knows you're not. You're the only one that thinks that you can't ever fail. He knows you can. I remember being in a leaders meeting once with Phil Pringle, who, who uh, C3 Movement, and there was about 25 of us, and we had a week of, of leadership training with, and he, was, he came in one day, and Brian Houston came in one day, and it was a great time just to ask questions and sit and chat. And I remember Phil Pringle made this statement. He said, here's the thing. He said, I live my life every day as if I could fail. He said, I see people, better men of God than me and women of God of me, who have failed in their marriages and have had affairs and have done things misguided with finances and so on. So he said, I don't go through life thinking that that will never happen to me. I go through every day of my life thinking that could happen to me. And so I live my life from that space. What he's really saying is I understand that I I have a propensity to fail and to fall short. And if I'm living with that understanding that I could actually fall short, If I live with an understanding that God knows that I could fall short today, but I also know that if I fall short today, God doesn't cut me off. God didn't say to Peter, here's the deal. Uh, Satan's going to sift your heart. And when you turn back to me, it's over. Because you had your shot, Peter, and it's all over now. So forget it. The dreams, the visions, the hopes, the plans, the future, it's over, finished, gone, over. When you turn back to me, don't expect anything from me because it's finished, because you failed. But he doesn't say that. 
God knows your capacity to fall short. I remember Jackie sharing with me the first time she ever tried to make a cake, and she's not here, so this is safe territory for me. First time she ever tried to make a cake uh, in, the, in, the, in the shape of a, like a child's thing, like a Winnie the Pooh or um, a, a Buzz Lightyear or whatever. She tried to make a cake, in, and it's not just a square cake in a tin, and woof up it comes, but no, she made this. And she told me the first time uh, that she ever tried to make a cake. And cut a long story short, it ended up a disaster. The cake came out, she went to put it out of the tin, half fell out and half stayed in. She just was over it. She started picking up cakes, she's throwing it in the kitchen windows and over the walls, just hammering tongs with this cake everywhere. No judgment, no judgment on her for that. I mean, who hasn't done who else hasn't done that at age twenty six? No one. Oh. Jackie has, I love you, darling. God knows that you're going to fail at times. Second thing that I see in this about failure, God doesn't see your failure, God doesn't see your failure as fatal. Failure is not fatal. He doesn't see your failures as a full stop. It's not over for you if you failed. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've got that area of your life and you don't want to talk about it and you don't want to tell anyone about it, but you know there's things that go on in your world. Repetitive things, maybe their habits, thoughts, actions, stuff that you know. Deep down inside, you know God is not okay with this. God's not okay with this. But you feel like because up to now, maybe it's been a month, six months, a year, five years, 20 years, and you still haven't been able to break the cycle. You still haven't been able to stop it. You still can't get out of it. You still can't get over it. And maybe you're sitting here thinking this morning, well, surely there's got to come a point there that's like a full stop. I failed and, and, and God's just got to a point where he's just had enough and he's gone, that's it. It's over for you. It's a full stop. Well, if that's what you're thinking, then you're not looking at Jesus. You're not looking at Jesus. You're not looking at a God of grace and compassion. You're not looking at a God of second chances and third chances and 20 chances and 150th chances. You're not looking at a God that knows that you have the capacity to fail and knows you will fail at times. You're not looking at a God who says that your failure is not a full stop. It's just simply a comma. But there's more to be written. And every time you fail, guess what? Maybe it's one step closer to the time you don't. Every time you fail and fall short, maybe it's just one step closer to the time that you don't fail. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let your failure be fatal. Don't let your failure stop you from trying to become the person you're meant to be and doing the things that you know that you're meant to do. American author and speaker Dennis Waitley, he made this quote once. He said, failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. Failure is delay, not defeat. It's a temporary detour. It's not a dead end. And that's what Jesus was saying to Peter. Because in the same sentence that Jesus said to Peter, and when you turn back, he also said, strengthen your brothers. There was no full stop. When you turn back, it's over. No, no, here's the deal, Peter. I know that you think that you won't fail. I know you think you're you're this holy spiritual man and you're going to make it. I know you think that. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to fail. You're going to deny me. But you're going to come back. You're going to pick yourself up. When you do, I want you to go and strengthen your brothers. The grace 
that was given to you, the grace that you received, I want you to take that. I want you to take that grace to others. And I want you to help others that are going through the same things. In other words, I've still got a future for you, even though I know you're going to fail along the way. The plans and purposes of God are still there for you. Number three, God uses your failures to refine you, not to define you. God uses failures to refine you, to shape you, to get your attention on things that maybe you wouldn't have seen otherwise until you fell over. You know what? Peter genuinely believed. These other 11 guys, they might turn their back on you and run and deny you, but I won't. He genuinely believed that. I believe that he thought that was the truth. But God looked beyond that and went, you're kidding yourself. How do I get you to see this, Peter? Or here, the only way to get you to see this, Peter, is I'm going to allow you to feel the pain of not living up to your own expectations. I'm going to have a rooster crow in the background. Because that's the only way to get your attention on where you're really at. Sometimes failure helps me see where I'm really at. Sometimes when I fall short, it helps me see where I'm really at. See, God, God knows the real me, not just the me I want him to know. <laughs> yeah? There's the me that I'm happy with God knowing. Who's, who's got that person? Uh, there's a me that I, I'm really glad God knows that. But there's, uh, there's, there's a real me, and there's, there's parts of me that I don't want God to know about. But who am I kidding? God saw straight through all that and said, I'm not talking to the Peter you think or you want me to see. I'm talking to the real Peter. You're going to fall short, but it's not going to be fatal. It's okay. You'll be able to pick yourself up and keep on moving forward. And I'll use that failure to refine you and to change you. I read a quote the other day. I don't know where it came from, but it reads like this. Never let success get to your head and never let failure get to your heart. Never let success get to your head. It'll turn you into a proud and arrogant person. But at the same time, never let failure get to your heart. How do you know if failure's got to your heart? Well, have you stopped trying? Have you given up? Do you see yourself as that person? You know, uh, I, I love um, uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous and programs like that. And, and, and some people here have probably been through that sort of stuff. And, and, it's, and a lot of that stuff is Bible-based. A lot of the, what they do is, is Bible-based. Probably the only thing I, 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 I don't fully understand, and I'm not speaking against it, is that when I sit down in a room full of people and, and I start by speaking over myself, I am an alcoholic. And I just keep saying, I am an alcoholic. I am an... And I understand why they do it. I'm not, not at all picking the program apart. I understand why they do that. But I remember sitting with a guy once, uh, having a chat with him, and he was an older guy, and he was telling me about how he had these mental health issues. And he'd been diagnosed mental health issues and, 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 and been to doctors and specialists and they told him this, this, this for so long. But when you spoke to him, he started referring to himself as that. He, he'd sit there and he'd go, I'm a blah. I'm a blah. And he just kept saying it. And it just, something inside of me rose up one day and I said, with all respect, can I stop you there? I said, you're not a blah. I said, you are a human being made in the image of God who struggles with blah. Don't define yourself by that issue. Don't define yourself by a failing. Don't define yourself by an area where you fell short. Don't define yourself by an area where you feel you haven't had success. God doesn't define you by that. God doesn't see you as that. Don't allow your failures to define who you are, but allow God to use them to refine who you are. If anybody had a chance to use failure to define them, it was David. 
King David. Yet what do you think of when I say to you King David in the Bible? What's the first thing you think of? He was what? Say it again. King David, a man after God's own heart. Let's not forget, he was disobedient to his call. 2 Samuel chapter 11, at the time when kings go forth to battle, what's David doing? He's at home on the roof of his castle. Why wasn't he out fighting? This was the season when kings go to battle. He was being disobedient to what he was called to do. Next thing you know, he spots a woman on the other side of the roof there called Bathsheba, and the Bible says she was fair to look upon. Problem is, she's married. He's got his own wife as well. So what does he do? He just takes her. He just takes her. This is a man after God's own heart. He just takes her. She falls pregnant. Her husband's out fighting in the battle. So what does David do in order to cover it up? He brings the husband home and says, just pull him back out of the battle so he can have a night with his wife. And then the pregnancy, will, it'll look normal. But the guy's a good guy. So he comes home and he goes, there's no way I'm laying with my wife while my fellow soldiers are out there fighting in a battle. And so he doesn't. David even gets him drunk in the hope that he'll go, but he doesn't. He goes to the front door and falls asleep on the step and he won't go inside to his wife because all, all, all the soldiers are out there fighting. He's a good man. And so David realises, the only way I can cover my tracks up here, I'm going to have to, have to kill him. So here's this man after God's own heart who's di- being disobedient to his call in the wrong place, shouldn't have been there. Commits adultery. Has a guy killed, murdered, to cover up his own tracks. He tries to keep it secret till, of course, God speaks to the prophet. It all comes out in the wash. If there was anybody... That God could have defined by a bunch of sins. And that's not the end of the story. Go and look at the rest of David's life. Didn't do a really good job with his kids. David didn't do a great job with his kids. Wasn't a great father. Didn't deal with issues amongst his own family. Didn't protect his own daughter. Yet for some reason, God doesn't want us to remember him to be defined by all the failings and the shortcomings. God wants us to know David, he was a man after my heart. Men and women after God's own heart still fail still make mistakes but we don't define ourselves by our mistakes we define ourselves by what god says and god says that he's a man after his heart allow your failures to be used by god to refine you but not to define you luke 21 verse 61 to 62 finish up here when that rooster crowed we read the story that peter remembered the words of jesus and he wept here's what it says he denies to one person, he denies to do, he denies to three. Remember, Jesus has already told him, this is going to happen when you come back. Peter's gone, no, 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 it won't happen. And then Peter denies three times. It says there, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter, what? Remembered the word of the Lord. How he'd said to him, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And it says he went away and he wept bitterly. He went away and he wept bitterly. The problem is that he didn't remember everything that Jesus said to him. Because Jesus didn't just say to him, you're going to fail. Jesus also said to him, you're going to strengthen your brothers. There's more to it. What a shame when we only remember the downside. We're sinners. We're going to fail. We're going to fall short. God doesn't like this or God doesn't like that. What a shame when we only remember part of what Jesus said. Peter only recalled part of what Jesus said and it left him weeping bitterly. But Jesus said more than that. All four gospel writers, there's not many things that you'll find recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. All four accounts. This story is recorded by all four of the gospel writers. All four of them tell us about this account with Peter and the rooster crowing. He only remembered part 
of what Jesus said. He forgot the second bit. When you've turned back, Peter, you're going to strengthen your brothers. So you're here today, and maybe you're like Peter. Maybe all you're hearing is that you're a sinner. Maybe all you're hearing is that you're a failure. Maybe all you're hearing is that you're a disappointment, etc. Maybe that's all you hear. Maybe that's all you tell yourself. Maybe that's all you find in the pages of this book when you go to God. But I want to tell you something, there's more to it than just that. Just as Jesus said more to Peter than you're going to deny me three times. There's more to who you are and who I am in the midst of being failing, falling short of human beings than just sinners who are saved by grace. Let me throw a couple of thoughts at you. I want to finish with this. Here's some other things that Jesus says to you. Don't be like Peter who only heard he's going to deny him. Here's the second bit. You're going to strengthen your brothers. In other words, your life's going to count. You're going to do something amazing. You're going to do something great. Romans 8.37 says this, you're more than a conqueror. That's the word of Jesus to you today. You're more than a conqueror. In the middle of your failing, your sin, your shortcoming and your fallings, here's what Jesus wants to say to you. You're more than a conqueror. I'd be, I'd be happy just to be a conqueror. Who'd be happy just to conquer every now and then? I'd, just to be a conqueror. But he says, look, you know what? That's not enough for my people. Even my people that fail, even my people that fall short, even my people that are imperfect, it's not enough. You're not just going to be a conqueror. You're going to be more than a conqueror. That's what Jesus says to us. Don't just hear, you're going to deny me three times. Hear the rest, you're going to strengthen my brothers. Don't just hear that you're a sinner and that you fall short and that you fail. Hear this as well. You're also more than a conqueror. You're also more than a conqueror. Philippians 4.13 says, You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Even though you fail at times and even though you, you may feel like you don't live up to your own expectations and even though you know there's stuff in there where you feel like you don't live up to God's, God still speaks this over you and he says to you that, you know what, you can do all things through me. Don't give up. Don't just surrender. Don't let your failing be a full stop because you can do all things through me. You can actually be more than a conqueror in those areas of your life. So pick yourself up, start walking again, start walking again, start walking again, keep going, keep moving. Psalm 139, 14 says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not a mistake. That area where you fail, where you fall short, you're not a mistake. You're just human. It's okay. Take the pressure off. God understands that you're human, all right? But you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Think about that. You weren't just a slab of clay that just blobbed together and God just said, I hope it looks good when it comes up. He fashioned and he made it and it says you are fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully made. And it doesn't matter what the magazines say, doesn't matter what society says, what your culture says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the very hands of God. Psalm 139, 14. Romans 8, 28. says everything in your life can work together for good if you keep God first. Every single thing. So every single failure that you have that you've done in the past, even that thing right now that you're struggling with, that thing right now that you're sitting here going, that's the thing I keep thinking about. And I know what you're saying, but I I keep falling short and I'll probably fall short again and again and again. Yep, that thing, God says he can use even that thing and turn it around and somehow use that thing as a good thing in your life. The good things that he uses, how he turns things around for good. It's not just your successes, it's your failures. Everything means everything. All things work together for the good of those, so long as you keep God at the focus. He can take any situation, circumstance, and he can use it for good. That's what he says. That's what Jesus says to you. Don't just hear you're going to deny me three times. Hear the rest of what Jesus has to say to you. Hebrews 13.5, God will never leave you nor forsake you. You might feel like you've repeated it. You're over and over. You fail, you fail, you fail. You've got that issue. Hey, guess what? He hasn't got to a point where he's gone, I've had a gut full and I'm going to walk away. He said he'll never. Never is a long time. 
Never's going to outlive your existence here on planet Earth. I know that for a fact. Never is a long time. And he says, I'll never ever leave you nor forsake you. Don't just hear, you're going to fail me and you're going to deny me three times. Don't just hear that. Hear the second part. But when you come back, you're going to strengthen my brothers. Jesus speaks to the future, not just to the past and the present, but he's speaking to Peter's future in that moment. He's speaking to Peter's future, knowing that Peter's present is going to be a failure. But he still speaks to Peter's future anyway. Because he says, you know what? The failure will just be a speed bump. It'll be a comma, not a full stop, not a brick wall. So I don't want you to get stuck in the failure of the moment. Move on. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving because you're more than a conqueror. Keep moving because you can do all things through Christ. Keep moving because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Keep moving because I can work everything together for good. Keep moving because I'm never ever going to leave you nor forsake you. Keep moving because Romans 8.39 says nothing can separate you from the love of God. So that failure, while it might make you feel ashamed, while it might make you feel less worthy, in the eyes of God it has not separated you from his love. It's all how you feel. It's got nothing to do with how he feels because he knew you're probably going to fall anyway. But he still chooses to love you because he chooses to love you. He chooses to love you regardless of all that stuff. So keep walking, keep going and keep moving. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for you, then who can be against you? If God is for you today, who can be against you? Don't just think God's for the successful you. Don't just think God is for the victorious you. God is for the you that has overcome. God is for the failing you. God is for the you that is falling short. God is for the you that feels stuck in that cycle of sin. God is for the you that feels stuck in that cycle of addiction. That's the you that God is for. Don't just hear before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Hear the second bit. When you turn back to me, strengthen my brothers. There's a future that God has for you that he speaks to, even in spite of the fact that your present may be filled with failure. You know why Peter wept bitterly? Because he only remembered the first part. So it says, when he remembered what Jesus had said about him, he wept bitterly. And that's what happens if you stay there in the failure. You'll spend the rest of your life weeping bitterly. You've got to move on from that. You've got to do what Peter eventually had to do. So I believe when that rooster crowed, Peter had an epiphany. That was the moment where I reckon he remembered the story of the rooster crowing and he went back and he remembered what Jesus had said. But later on in his life when he reflected on that, I reckon he might have thought, yeah, Jesus did say I'd be doing all this. I'd strengthen my brothers. I'd get through this that he still had a plan and that he still had a future. Matter of fact, in the book of Mark, which was written by John Mark, you read in Acts chapter 12, the book of Mark is actually written by John Mark and he got all of his information from, guess who? Peter. He sat down with Peter and he interviewed Peter and he wrote the book that we have called Mark. It's interesting because there's a passage in Mark that you don't see in any other Bible Gospel, in Mark sixteen seventeen, When Jesus is resurrected and he sees the disciples, he says this, he says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. And I can imagine Peter, all those years later, sitting down with John Mark as he interviews him for his book that we have there called Mark. And I can imagine Peter relaying the story and going, and then, guess what? 
after this incredible failure of mine, after I denied him three times and I was at the bottom of the barrel. He specifically told that person to tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter. Little details that mean so much. So if you're here today and you're failing, let me just say to you, take the pressure valve off yourself. You're never going to be perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. That's why we need him. That's what grace is about. It covers your shortcomings and your failings. Don't spend your life trying to be perfect. Spend your life chasing Jesus. Amen? Don't spend your life getting bogged down in your sin, trying to work out how can I, hey, fix your eyes on him, the author and perfecter of your faith. If you're looking at him, he'll lead you through that. And one day you'll turn around like Peter and go, oh my goodness, what he said has actually come to pass. Don't get bogged down in your failure. Look at your future. Move forward for the sake of your own life and for the sake of the community in which God's placed you. Because people need to see Christians who are moving forward, Christians who are growing, Christians who are in love with Jesus, not caught up in the religious stuff, not bogged down in their own imperfections, not, not running around the world with these lofty expectations like Peter. No, no, no. Let's just love God. Let's love people. And let's keep moving forward. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for, uh, God, so many little things that are in the Bible. Lord, so many life lessons. And Father, I just thank you for that lesson of Peter, God, that Lord, you knew he was going to fail. And it's almost like it just didn't throw you out of whack. It didn't throw you out of sync at all. You knew he was going to fail. But you moved straight past the failing and you spoke to his future. And God, I pray for each person here today that, Lord, you would give us the grace to do the same thing in our own lives, that we wouldn't get bogged down in our present failings. God, give us the grace to move beyond that and to keep our eyes on the future and to keep moving forward. And God, to know that as we do that, that, Lord, you will conform us, you will change us, you will turn us into the people that you want us to become by your spirit, by your grace, not by our own works and our own effort, Father. And, Lord, I pray as we go from this place today, God, in the next seven days, Lord, we're going to come into contact with a world of people that don't know you and a world of people that at this stage of their life, they're not even interested in thinking about you. God, I pray you'd use us this week as salt and use us as light. Lord, give us the opportunity this week to tell somebody, somebody out there, the good news of Jesus Christ. God, somebody that up to this point doesn't know about it yet. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, if anyone knows where toilet paper is, let me know. I've got none. And I've got a party at my house this afternoon for my son's 21st. It's going to be terrible. And we got lots of, we're eating lots of chicken and meat. So. Chemist Warehouse. Ah, oh, okay. Chemist Warehouse. Nice. Thanks for that. I don't feel like so much of a failure now. You know, it's what I'm going to feel like when Jackie gets home. There's no toilet paper. That's going to be terrible. Anyway.